Welcome to the Anthem Church Podcast. Our desire is to transform lives through authentic experiences with God and with people. This message is brought to you from Anthem Church in Fairview, Oregon. We pray you are encouraged, inspired, and strengthened through the teaching and preaching of God's Word. series. I'm glad. We're, I'm, I'm so happy to be continuing it. The Rock. You know, when I t- started this series, I told you that I promised you that this was going to be your best year ever. If, right? If it's your best year spiritually. And if it's your best year spiritually, it'll automatically be your best year of uh, ever. And so two of the most important spiritual disciplines that help to make that happen, of course, are prayer one, and that's finishing 21 days of prayer. And the reason 21, because habits are made in 21 days. And, I, and I, we want you to get a ha- into a habit of praying so that on day 22, you will continue the things that you did in one through 21. Come on, 22 and day 23 and the rest of your life. Say amen. And because, you know, you'll... you'll uh, you're seeking the Lord with all your heart. And then, you know, we're also, it's all about creating a habit about the Word of God and, and getting into the Word, reading the Word and, and treasuring your Bible. And, and, and uh, how many have gotten your paper Bible? Went out and got your paper Bible so you can start marking it up? Okay. All right. Thanks for, yeah, the couple of you. Yeah. What, two? Okay. Perfect. All right. The rest of you, get your paper Bible. Amen. Let's <laughs> see so you mark it up. But the other half is creating that daily time of reading God's Word. Word. When you read it, when you, you know, study it, when you meditate, you fill your heart with the, the wisdom that comes from them, it'll change your life to love it, learn it, live it. Amen. Come on, everybody. You know, that's what Jesus wants you to do is love it, learn it, live it. And, uh, and I know why, what will happen. You'll build your life on a solid foundation, on a rock that will see you through everything you face in life. And it'll be because of the promises of God's word. Well, look at your key Bible verse today in 2 Timothy 3, uh, 16. It says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I love that it says all scripture, all scripture, everything in from cover to cover, all scripture is God breathed. That means it's inspired. It's inspired by God. It comes, it, it, it begins with God and it's able to prepare you for every single thing you're going to face in life. I love that. But here's the challenge. Recently, folks, and you know this, is recently in our culture, it has become increasingly popular to go after Christianity, to, to put down Christians, to, uh, to uh, challenge this notion of the, the Bible being, this belief that the Bible is God-breathed, amen? And that kind of understanding the Bible is being challenged all over. And uh, they're trying to do whatever they can to undermine its authority, its accuracy, its authenticity. Come on, say amen. It's happening in schools. It's happening in government. It's happening in, in colleges. And, and, and even in some churches are teaching things that are that, that is causing faith to waver and convictions are wavering regarding this book. And, and I want to show you today, I want to come right into the face of that. I want to go right at that, okay? And I, because I want to show you today why you can trust your Bible. 
why you can trust the word of God, why you can stand up in the face of those challenges and say, oh, wait a second, wait a second, that's not right, okay? Because, uh, you know, you know, people will say that this is just a, a, a book of stories and maybe some good principles, but uh, mostly made up, you know. And uh, But I'll tell you what, when we finish today, you'll have the things and some of the tools you need to stand up to whomever it is and uh, make a case for the authority and the authenticity of the Bible. You ready? Okay, so I'm going to give, let's talk about why the Bible can be trusted. Listen, the truth is everything changes. We're in a state, things are in a state of constant change. I mean, here, here's a case in point. Who would have ever thought that the Beavers basketball team would have a higher standing and have a higher than the Oregon Ducks in the Pac-12? I mean, who would ever thought that, right? <laughs> Especially at this point in the season. R, R, R. Wah, wah, wah. Uh, you know, somebody told me the other day that if I would be a duck fan, I'd have a bigger church, you know, uh, that, that, that when I say these things, all the duck fans don't come back the next Sunday. You know, is that true? I don't know. Uh, well, but we'll see how that goes with the Beavers and the rest of the season, right? But we're in a constant state of change. The world is. And, but there's one thing that stays true, and that's God's word. God's word stays true. Look at Matthew 24, 35. It says, Jesus said this, heaven and earth will pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. I mean, God's, the, the things that the word of God will stand forever. So let me give you seven reasons today why I believe the Bible can be trusted. And, 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 and I wish I was, you know, these are, are principles. These are things that uh, are kind of not down my forte of, of, of uh, you know, what I teach. But uh, there are some incredible Christian apologetics uh, people who are uh, Christian apologetics in our world today, guys, men like Josh McDowell, men like you uh, uh, who wrote uh, the Kate or who wrote uh, uh, evidence that demands a verdict, and uh, and then you know Lee Strobel in Case for Christ, Rick Warren one of my favorite pastors in the nation, Rick Warren, and did an incredible curriculum on this. And if you're a small group leader and you want to do a great curriculum, look that up and get it. And, and uh, uh, so that, there's a lot more information. If you, if you like what you're hearing today, you can, you can go to josh.org. Uh, that's Josh McDowell's uh, website and really get some more uh, things that, that will really be helpful. But let's talk about seven reasons why you can trust your Bible, okay? Number one, if you got your notes, take out your pen, take some notes, and, and let's go here. It's historically accurate. That's the number one reason. Uh, it's historically accurate. Psalm 33, 4 says, for the word of the Lord is right. Okay, it's right. They got it right. And it's true. It's truth you can stand on. It's not just a book of good stories and good principles. It's right and it's true. Listen, for a document to be historical, historically uh, accurate, it has to meet three standards. Three standards. Number one, there has to be eyewitness uh, testimony. It has to come as an eyewitness. There has to be eyewitnesses, okay? And the Bible is not a, a recording of hearsay that was passed down from generation to generation until someone wrote it down. It's not that, that way. You know how things get messed up when you do that little, you know, fun little thing where you go whisper something into somebody's ear and they tell the story to the next person and tells the story to the next person and they whisper it around the room. By the time it gets to the end, the story is totally changed, right? 
Well, that's not the way the Bible was written, okay? The Bible is not a passed pass down stories. The Bible was written by eyewitnesses. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they saw what they were there. They saw what happened. They were part of those times. They were in, in the, 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 the moment. And so, you know, they, they didn't get together years later in a room and say, hey, what are you going to write? Well, I think we should write this. Well, I'm going to write, okay, let's write this too. Let's say, to, you know, so that make sure they got it all together. No, they wrote their accounts from what they saw and because they all saw the same thing we have an account that runs parallel in all the gospels come on say amen so it's uh you know uh you think about moses right moses wrote what he saw he's the author of the first five books of the bible he he saw the red sea part he saw the dry ground that they went across okay he saw the water come close back and drown the egyptians he saw that with his eye he was an eyewitness of that truth so he wrote it down and that's why it can be trusted as historically accurate just one of the reasons amen so it passes the eyewitness test secondly a historical text must be rewritten with extreme care when you have an ancient uh, an ancient uh, item it has to be rewritten there weren't no printing presses to get it right right it has to be written rewritten copied Okay, and uh, it is no wonder that uh, the, we can trust the Bible because it was recopied by the ancient Jewish scribes. And there was no one that was more meticulous than these scribes when it came to, uh, to rewriting the texts of the, the Word of God. And they would spend, you know, they would spend uh, years rewriting a text. And they were so uh, meticulous about it that they knew what the, 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 the middle character of the book was, okay? So they would, they, the, the middle character of the entire Word of God, okay, of all that. What was the middle just a letter, middle letter. And so they, they, the middle letter, they would count from the beginning all the characters up to that one. And then they'd count from the back all the characters to that. And if the numbers didn't match, they would throw out the whole document and begin again. That's how meticulous they were, making sure that it was correct, that it was rewritten perfectly. In fact, when that we they that when the Dead Sea Scrolls were unearthed in the caves at uh, Qumran, they they found a text of Isaiah. It matches perfectly. It matches perfectly because they were so uh, meticulous about it. So it passes that that test of of, of being uh, re, re um, uh, carefully copied. Historical accuracy also has to have archaeological confirmation too. Now for many, many, for a couple centuries, several centuries, this is where real smart people thought we got them, okay? Because uh, the Bible talks about this great Hittite empire, okay? Throughout the, the Old Testament, they were Hittites, okay? That are mentioned and uh, along with the Perizzites and the uh, Malachites and the Mosquito Bites and others, you know. Uh, but... <laughs> 
this Hittite empire that they couldn't figure out. Uh, there was no, no evidence of. So they said that it didn't exist. That proves the inaccuracy of the Bible until 1900 when in Turkey they unearthed this civilization, this group of people that they came to the conclusion was the Hittite empire that was as large and rivaled the Egyptian empire. It was incredibly proving the accuracy of God's word historically. Isn't that incredible? Amen. All right. Well, I got to move right along. Secondly, note two, it is scientifically accurate. Scientifically accurate. You know, God is the God of the universe. He created it all. So, and he created the laws that govern it. The, listen, science is constantly evolving, discovering things that are, that were never known. I mean, uh, Think about your sixth grade science class, you know, and the, the things you study compared to what they're learning today, right? Or it, maybe if you were in, in high school in the 90s and you had a computer science class with your Commodore 64, right? <laughs> Some of you don't even know what that is. Yeah, you know. Uh, it was beginnings of the computer. I mean, we have more technology in our cell phone than they used to, to land a person on the moon. And that's, uh, you know, but science is constantly evolving, but truth stays the same. Here's uh, Psalm 40, 148 says, let every created thing praise, give praise to the Lord for he issued his command <coughs> and they came into being. Excuse me. Okay. <clears throat> he set them in place forever and ever. His decree will never be revoked. See, the Bible's not a science book, but it is scientifically accurate. Think about this. Before Columbus, what did people think the world was? I mean, they thought the world was flat, right? The world was flat. That was kind, common scientific thought. But all they had to do was read the Bible because God says in Isaiah 40 that God sits enthroned above the what? The, let's put it up there. God sits above the, here comes, right there. God sits enthroned above the circle of the earth. Do you know what that word circle is the word sphere in the Hebrew from which we get the word globe. Does that sound familiar? Okay. Yeah. How about this one? You know, the, the Greeks believed that the world was held in place by Atlas. I don't know, you know, be like uh, the, the, that, that's how it was held up. The, the ancient Indians believed that the, the world was, uh, that, that flat world was held, uh, was riding on the back of four elephants who, was who were riding on the back of a giant sea turtle, okay? I don't know where they got that, but that's what they believed. The Egyptians believed that the world was held up by five pillars. But if they had just read the, the Bible, the oldest book in the Bible, the book of Job, Job 26, 7 says, he spreads out the northern skies over empty space. He suspends the earth over nothing. How did Job know that? He didn't. God told him, okay? God told him, and he wrote it. The famous, there's a famous uh, astronomer named Ptolemy, and uh, his predecessor, who is another famous, I forget his name right now, his, was, his predecessor was a, uh, another famous astronomer. This guy came up with the, with the idea and counted the stars, and he came up and declared that there was 1,022 stars in the, in the sky, okay? Well, Ptolemy, who is highly respected scientifically, uh, uh, scientifically 
scientifically. He dogmatically refuted that and said there are more stars than this guy has, has counted. And he insisted that there was 1,056 stars, not 1,022, okay? But what, they, what, what, what we have come to know as true could have been known if they'd have just opened the Bible because in Jeremiah 33:22 it says, the stars of the sky cannot be counted. Are you getting this? Come on. How about medical science? Hippocrates, the father of medicine, he believed in a thing called humoralism, right? Humoralism. And that's a, that, you know, that was the, the idea that the human body is made up of four different types of fluid, uh, yellow body bile, black bile, phlegm, and blood, okay? And they believe that any imbalance in these four, um, four things in your, in your body would bring illness. And in fact, the doctors at the, in the beginning of our country and the beginning of America still were uh, believed in this uh, just as short as 200 years ago. And that's why they uh, were still doing the, the practice of bloodletting, where they would bleed a person for illness because they thought they had too much blood, right? And so they would bleed them and uh, so uh, to get to restore balance in their in their system. Well, George Washington, our first president, that's the reason he died. Because he was sick and they, they bled him once, didn't work. They bled him twice, didn't work. Third time they bled him. <laughs> He just bled out, you know, and he went, he's dead, right? And, uh, but if they had just read Leviticus 17, they would have realized that you don't, uh, you know, like we do today, I mean, we don't, we don't take blood out of people. When people get sick, we give them blood. We don't take it away from them. And Leviticus 17, uh, verse 11 says, for the life of the body is in its blood. Come on. The bubonic plague and other plagues killed thousands, and there was no concept uh, of, of germs being spread. But again, it, the Bible says that if a person has an infectious disease, in Leviticus 13.4, the priest shall quarantine that person for seven days days. Listen, that's, that's science, okay? That's, the, that's health, all right? Because it's right there in the Word of God. Accurate. Psalm 12, 6 says, the words of the Lord are flawless, like silver purified in a crucible, like gold refined seven times. Man, this is fantastic. Doesn't that just, get, doesn't that bless you? Come on, amen. All right, let's go. What? Number three, third reason you can trust your Bible is simply that it is prophetically accurate. Prophetically accurate. Do you know the Bible has over a thousand prophecies in it? Uh, things that they declared about the future. Over 300 of those prophecies are about Jesus and about what would happen in his life. Things about his, uh, his uh, birth, his, uh, his uh, you know, uh, Bethlehem, his, his, uh, where he'd live, the miracles, uh, where he'd die, where he'd come out of, a journey into Egypt as a child. And Dave, uh, all these things were prophesied regarding his life through, you know, years, hundreds of years before Jesus came. He fulfilled 300 of these prophecies. David even wrote about his crucifixion, how he would be, how he would be killed even before it was even created, before it was even created as a method of torture and death. Isn't that amazing? How did this happen? I'll tell you how it happened. Look at this in 2 Peter. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets 
though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit spoke into the hearts and minds of these writers about the coming Savior. And you, you think about 300 prophetic words that, the, that came true in Jesus. I mean, the, the odds of that happening, the, uh, 300 happening, it is astronomical. I mean, if we back that all down, if there was just eight prophecies of Jesus that he fulfilled, just eight, okay, counted on two hands, eight, the probability of those eight coming to pass is one in, one in 10 to the 17th power. Okay, you know what that means? That's a one with 17 zeros after it. That's the chances of it coming, of it happening. 17 zeros, that's 10 million billions. 10 million billions. Can you, it's hard even for us to wrap our heads around what that even looks like, but I'll give you an example of what it looks like. It would be like having a, a 10 million billions would, would uh, if you had that in silver dollars, you could cover the state of Texas two feet deep with silver dollars. Anybody ever been to Texas? That's one big state, okay? You could cover the state with two feet of silver dollars with 10 million billions, okay? And if one of those, just one of those was marked red in the middle of that, it would be like having a person blindfolded riding in a helicopter who says, okay, drop me here, and them sticking their hand into that, that uh, two feet of silver dollars and pulling out the red one. What are the chances of that? Of just eight prophecies being fulfilled. If it was just 16 prophecies fulfilled, it would be one in 10 to the 45th power. If, they, if 50 of them were fulfilled, it'd be 1 in 10 to the 157th power. We'd have circles, uh, uh, zeros all the way across the stage, right? Jesus fulfilled 300. It doesn't happen, folks, unless it's a miracle, supernatural, unless God was the author and Jesus said it this way, but this is all happening to fulfill the words of the prophets as recorded in the scriptures. It is prophetically accurate, amen? These men didn't write their own imaginations, but they wrote what God would say, said would happen in the future. And, and folks, the truth is, there's still some prophetic words of the, in, the, in the Bible that have yet to be fulfilled about the end times and the end days. And folks, the truth is, trust me, I wouldn't bank on them not being fulfilled, okay? <laughs> that, that means you better be right with God. There, I'm just gonna say that, okay? Revelation 22, six says, the angel said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God who inspires the prophet, sent his angel to show his servants the things that must soon take place. These things are gonna happen, they're gonna happen. Okay, so it's prophetically accurate. Here's the fourth reason you can trust your Bible, because the subject matter is unified. From cover to cover, it's unified. Now, listen, if it was just one author, okay, if it was just one author, you'd expect that, that there would be thematic unity all the way from cover to cover. But there isn't just one author in this book, okay, in the Bible. There were 40 authors that wrote 66 books over a period of 1,600 years on, uh, from three different continents. 
And then it carries the same theme, the same concepts without contradiction. How did, how did that happen? How did that happen? God did it. God did it. God inspired those writers. Amen. I think about Jesus when he's, he's risen from the dead, right? He's walking along the road with these two men from, uh, on the road to Emmaus. He, he hooks up with them. They're walking down there. They're just talking and they, they're telling him what happened about the crucifixion. They don't recognize it's Jesus. And the Bible says that Jesus, look what it says in Luke, verse 27 says in 20, verse, or, or verse 27 of chapter 24, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. He went back to the beginning and said, listen, this is where I am in Genesis, this is where I am in Exodus, this is where I am in Leviticus, all the way through. <coughs> Come out of him, in Jesus' name. All right. <clears throat> uh, I just love that, Amen. All through, and listen, Jesus is in, I love the fact that he can be found in every book of the Bible if you look for him. God paves a way through the entire Bible, giving us pictures of the love and grace that comes by way of Jesus. Come on, amen, come on. That's so powerful, amen. Come on, are you with me here? Speaking of Jesus, here's the fifth reason you can trust your Bible. It's simply because it was trusted by Jesus. He trusted the Word of God. He trusted the Bible. And if it was trusted by Jesus, then why, why, uh, so will I. Uh, there's, uh, you know, I, uh, can I get an amen there? Amen? Okay. You know, there are a lot of people who love Jesus, who say, I love Jesus. I believe in Jesus. I, and uh, uh, Jesus and I are good. You know, we're tight. But at the same moment, they're not sure whether they want to abide by the things that the Bible talks about, amen? And what God, you know, the, the, the attitude, the actions, the, the convictions, the, the morality, the, the, the concepts that the scripture uh, declares, okay? They love Jesus. They say, I love Jesus. I believe in Jesus. But listen, Jesus uh, trusted the scripture. Look at what he said in Matthew 5, 18. For I tell you until heaven and earth disappear. Now, how long is that going to be? That's, you know, that's the history, okay? Until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. You know what he's saying? Well, well let me just add something here because I think you needed to understand that the word law in the Hebrew is, is more of a description and it would be described as the pathway to life and blessing. So it should read, not the least stroke of my pen, of a pen, will by any means disappear from the pathway to life and blessing until everything is accomplished. Folks, this is the pathway to life and blessing. And, and to know it, and, and Jesus trusted it, he declared it. You know, man, you have to trust it if Jesus did, okay? I mean, he's the guy that rose from the dead, predicted he'd do it, and he did it. That's good. <laughs> That's good enough for me, all right? Amen? You know, people make the argument today that, well, the Bible doesn't relate to our generation. You know, things have changed our culture anymore. You know, well, you know, my question is, what part of, you know, until heaven and earth disappear don't you get, right? Uh, uh, listen, and here's the here's, here's bottom line, bottom line. If you believe what you like in the Bible and don't believe or follow what you don't like, then it's not the Bible that you trust. It's yourself. 
And I don't know how that's going to work out when you stand before God, the author of this thing, right? Come on, are you with me? Just saying. If Jesus trusted it, we should, we should also, amen? And uh, so important. That's why you can trust your Bible. Jesus did. No. Okay, number six. All right. Are you out there? I can't hear you. All right. You okay? You okay? I mean, is this kind of making you uncomfortable? Somebody or a little, there's a few of you. Okay. All right. Here's number six. Reason why you can trust your Bible. Number six, it has survived every attack, all attacks. There's no other book in history that, of the world that has been attacked, hated, feared by rulers more than the Bible. It, I mean, it, and why was it attacked? I'll tell you why. Because the enemy will do whatever he possibly can to keep you from knowing that he wants you to stay in the dark. The reason why the dark ages are called the dark ages is because the Bible was hidden from people. And it was held back. They didn't, they didn't have it when, it, when, when the, the scripture began being, uh, getting out to the common men. That, that's when enlightenment came. The whole world changed because this book is full of light. And the enemy wants to keep you from it. And he doesn't want you to know that pathway to life and blessing. I mean, this Bible has been the, the most despised, doubted, denied, disputed, dispatched, dissected, debated, outlawed, and destroyed book ever. And it still lives on today. Come on, amen. And it's still giving hope and life. And nobody has been able to stop it. And nobody ever will. Hallelujah. Yes. And folks, that's why I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. Amen. So let's, so Peter said it like this, and we need to read this together, right? Everybody read it out loud. The grass withers and the flowers fail, but the word of the Lord, come on together, endures forever. That's good stuff. That's good preaching, Brian. You know, there was a much respected uh, French Enlightenment writer, and some of you have heard about him. He was famous for his criticism of Christianity. His name was Voltaire. Voltaire. How many have heard of Voltaire, right? Famous Enlightenment guy. And he was considered a genius uh, in his day. And he unashamedly declared and was quoted in the 19th century uh, saying that in a hundred years, the Bible will be forgotten. Well, let me tell you, the only thing that's been forgotten is that quote. <laughs> yeah, amen. Are you with me? And here's, here's, here's God's sense of humor when it comes to this, right? Uh, Voltaire had two houses. He had a compound in France that's part of this, uh, you know, his, uh, you can go visit it today, part of, you know, a memorial museum to him. But he had a house in Switzerland. And the house in Switzerland is owned by the Geneva Bible Society. And they distribute Bibles from there. Come on. Hey Amen. Isn't that awesome? That's God making, just saying, who gets the last laugh there, right? And here's the last proof. Here's the last proof that you can trust the Bible. And the, and it, it, the, the reason you can trust, it's something that we see and hear about every day here at Anthem. It's because you can trust it because it has transforming power. The Bible has transforming power. Jesus put it this way. He said, if you hold, my t hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. And then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. 
you open up your heart, you, you, you allow this word to get inside you, you give God a chance, and listen, Jesus will change your life, and God's truth will set you free. And there's stories all over this room about people who were the word of God when they gave their hearts and lives and really became a true disciple of Jesus, that God set them free from the things that were destroying their world. And listen, those are the, those are the, those are truly his disciples, fully devoted followers of Jesus. People, those are the people who love his word, who learn it, who, who live the word daily. Folks, listen, I grew up, I grew up in church. I grew up a churchgoer. I went to church every Sunday that I can, can remember as a child, but I didn't know Jesus. And I, I, I was, I went through the rituals and uh, it, but it wasn't until I discovered or had a personal encounter with Jesus and I discovered the life-giving power of his promises and his word that, that my life began to tra be transformed and change. And, they, it, and folks, listen, it was as I began to read this and mark it and, and get it into my heart. And that's why I'm so, so strongly urge you to get this word into your heart whatever it takes. And I know it's hard. Some of you may say, man, it's hard, Pastor Brad, just to set those things down. Well, listen, it, you, you just have to start. And, it, and you do start it this way. Just do five minutes of worship, five minutes of prayer, and five minutes in the Word. That's all. Just five of each, five of worship, five of prayer, five minutes in the Word. You give God 15 minutes and you watch what God will begin to do. I mean, I, I'll tell you, you won't, you won't, your, your world will begin to transform your life and uh, so, so quickly. And, and uh, as you make that commitment to him, and I, I'm telling you, 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 your world will change like you never thought it possible. As you, as you come to as many services, you come, you get in the house of God, you listen, you learn uh, what God's word says. You, you let his word become the final authority in your life. And his word will change you. It will change you. It will transform because it has transforming power. And then that's something the world can't refute. That's something they can't, they can't say, well, you're, you know, that's that, what is the word of God? Because they can't refute what's happened to you. They can't tell you your story isn't real. Amen. The word of God will set you free. So that's why, listen, you got you to gotta make it the final authority of life. And, and in, in this time, in this generation, where it's being challenged, where the word is being challenged, I promise you, you can stand strong and you can stand firm again in the face of those things. Because for me, because listen, for me, I don't care what they say. I don't care what they do. They can write laws. They can make it illegal to stand up here and declare the word of God. They can say, you can't preach that. I'm going to preach that. Because if it's in here, it's going to be declared here, from here, from these lips. And I don't care if they throw me in jail. I don't care what they do. I'm going to stand firm on God's word. It is a foundation that is rock solid and that will get you to the best that God has for you. Amen. Thank 
you for joining us. We are located at 1415 Northeast 223rd Avenue in Fairview, Oregon. You can find us online at www.anthemfamily.org and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at My Anthem Family. God bless.